0: Listening to the Key to the City podcast. What's
1: going on, kid? Welcome back to the keep to the City podcast. It's your country cousin Yoni. You already know that. Welcome back, man. This is episode thirty-one. Thank you for everybody that's been supporting the podcast, whether you liking, sharing, commenting, whatever you doing. To, whatever you doing to spread the word, I surely appreciate it. Like I say, it's all about remaining consistent, and that's what we're trying to do, man. And uh, just get better each and every day. Uh, that we had the opportunity to speak with guests and share knowledgeable information with you and just to inspire and encourage you, man, to keep going on your daily trek. You dig that? Um, Last week in episode 30, we spoke about, uh, well, we had the question, when will we win, man? You know, I know it gets kind of frustrating when you've been grinding for so long and, you know, you slip into that mode of trying to compare yourself to others and your peers and you feel like you're falling short and your season is never coming, but it's coming, man. You know, it may not always be what we expect, but it's coming. As long as you stay consistent in what you're doing, stay faithful, and stay committed and dedicated, you know you'll see some results. So let's just keep on pushing. You dig that? Um, this episode, episode 31, man, we're gonna be speaking with CRNAs, finding a little more, finding out a little more about that career. Um, you know, I want you to be able to. Be aware of different avenues that you can take. You can inform your children or others that are trying to find their way in life. This is a career you may want to look into. And we're speaking with Dr. LaShonda Ivy and Dr. Hope Ferguson. And they'll give us more insight behind the career, man. And uh, we need to start thinking outside the box for our future and what's going to be sustainable uh, for years to come. So, yeah, after we get into this quick ad, we'll be right back with them thank y'all for everything that you do it's 2020 baby i hope everyone succeeds this year uh also we did this interview right before the holidays so don't trip when you hear me tell them uh merry christmas and happy new year's at the end of it so yeah 2020 let's get it man stay committed stay focused stay on your grind hey we on our way key to the city podcast be right back yeah all right welcome back Kim, folks You know who it is, your country cousin, Yoni. Hey, and like I told you, man, I got two special guests with us today, two keynote speakers, two queens in the health industry. And like I've been trying to be on this educational tip lately and um, inspire you more with your health and fitness and your mental therapy and things like that. And we're just keeping it going. And with this episode, we want to introduce you to some other careers that may be outside the box that you never thought about. Uh, that you may want to introduce to your children because we need more African-Americans in the health field. So they're going to give us more information on that to introduce us to other important and rewarding careers. And uh I implore people to continue uh when they're considering long-term choices as far as their career. Don't just think about business administration. Let's play out. They don't pay nothing. Get into a career like engineering or a doctor or... anesthetist. But you're going to find out what that is. I learned what that is today. So, these two young ladies we have, I first met them in Olive Branch, Mississippi at Express Fitness, which is owned by my frat brother, Mr. Eric Cook. Y'all check him out, Mr. Motivational. And uh, they were conducting a seminar there, and it was very intriguing to me. Um, I was all into that presentation, and the information that they were handing out, I thought it would be very beneficial to my audience. So, Basically, I'm going to stop talking and let some expert schoolers today on exactly what it is that they do, how you can find out more information about it, and how you can get into the career yourself if you're interested. So, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the city, Dr. LaShonda Ivy and Dr. Hope Ferguson. How are you today, ladies?
0: We're good. How are you all? Doing amazing.
1: We can't complain. Thank y'all for coming to the city today and joining us We're common folks. Oh no doubt, no doubt. We had to get you on. I, like I say, when I first met you, I was so intrigued by the both of you, and it's good to see two sisters doing what you do. So I said they would make great guests for the show, and uh, my audience need to know what it is you got going on. So thank you once again. How are your holidays going so far?
2: Going pretty well. Haven't started shopping yet, but planning to shortly. And I'm finished. I don't do a whole lot of shopping this time of the year. I can't. I really don't have the patience for the crowd, So. I do a lot of gift giving and um, write a couple of checks, and then I call it a day. Oh.
0: Yeah.
1: So you do still write checks?
2: I do still write checks, yes.
1: (laughs) It's kind of old school, but it's all good.
2: (laughs) Yep. No no online shopping? I do a lot of online shopping as well, but uh, this year I just kind of stuck with gift cards, and like I Mm -hmm. said, wrote a couple of checks, and that was it.
1: Word. Now... Uh, LaShonda, where are you from originally?
2: I'm originally from Prairie, Mississippi. Um, actually a small town, um, called Yuna is our community, um, but it's labeled as Prairie, Mississippi. Grew up there. Um, family's still there. Majority of my family is still there. And, um, I moved to the Olive Branch area after I finished graduate school.
1: All right. Shout out to Yuna. And how about you, Queen Hope?
3: Yes, I'm originally from Meridian, Mississippi. Um, all my family is there. Um, I will say I am uh, of Jamaican descent. My dad is full-blown Jamaican, so I do have that background. So I do have uh,
0: what the humble
1: well. Clyde? Okay. <laughs> clock. really?
0: Yes.
1: I never
0: knew
1: that. Yes, that's interesting. Okay. Uh, what? How long? So you're a native of Jamaica.
3: No, I'm not a native of Jamaica. My my dad is, but I'm like oh, born and raised in Meridian, Mississippi. Yes,
1: but it's in your blood. It is. All right. Do you know Crick?
3: Yes. I, well, I don't know him personally, but I do know him. <laughs> <now. laughs> okay. <laughs>
1: All right. I had to throw that in there. All right. Let's stop playing around and get into the meat uh, of our topic today. We're talking about anesthetists, which you may be more common or familiar with the word C R N A. That's what these young ladies are. And when I first was introduced to them, my primary question was what is the difference between an anesthesiologist and an, anesthet- an anesthetist? <laughs> CRNA. That's what I'm going to go with moving forward. What's the difference between an anesthesiologist and a CRNA? Whichever one you of you want to take that one. I'll take that question.
2: Um, the difference between a nurse anesthetist. Um, CRNA, which stands for a Certified Registered Nurse Anesthetist and an Anesthesiologist. Um, an anesthesiologist is a physician um, doctor of anesthesia, and we are actually, most of us, majority of us are actually doctors of nursing practice, or either we hold a master's degree in nursing, um, and so it's just an advanced practice um, degree in nursing where we get um, specific training for anesthesia. Mm -hmm. The main difference is just the degree. Um, We actually can both operate um, at the same level um, of understanding in the field of anesthesia. We Mm -hmm. both are responsible for making sure that patients are safe while they are undergoing surgery. So we're back there from start to finish, um, providing the patient with a safe anesthetic. We can do everything from start to finish. We pre-op the patients. We take the patients back to the operating room give them the medications that are needed for them to go to sleep. We keep them to monitor their vital signs during that procedure. Um, <clears throat> we can also wake those patients up, take them over to recovery. We can branch off into other fields um, as far as um, performing epidurals for labor. Um, I'm sure a lot of women are familiar with those. So we, also, we are there for that, and we actually perform those procedures. And a new thing that's coming on the block now that that's becoming more prevalent is the administration of pain blocks. Um, We're using actual medicines to block nerves throughout the body to um, provide patients with a better anesthesia experience where they're not having to receive so many narcotics. So we are able to perform those blocks as well. So the main difference between the two of us, we can perform the same jobs um, is we actually go in and um, we're there the entire time. Um, Mm -hmm. The main difference is just the degree. They are physicians. Um, We are nurses, um, and in many settings, we work well together um, in what we call an anesthesia care team. Gotcha.
1: Mm -hmm. Now, it may seem like I'm asking a lot of ignorant questions because, I mean, I am. I'm ignorant to the field, but I just want to know everything about it. So you do have to become a nurse first, correct?
2: Correct. Yes. Yes. We have to be a nurse first. Um, We actually have to have a bachelor's degree. There are a couple of different ways you can do that these days. Traditionally, it used to be a four-degree program, four-year degree program, where you would have to go to get your BS in. After that time frame, you are required to go to um, an intensive care unit where you can work anywhere from one to two years before you can apply to the program. Um, Personally, myself, I worked in ICU four and a half years before applying to anesthesia school, but that was just my personal choice. I think hopefully did two years. Hope did about two years, and then you can apply to the program, whether it's a master's degree or it's a doctoral degree program in anesthesia, and during that time, you are in the classroom learning everything you need to know about anesthesia from start to finish, and wow. after that, you go to clinical, or while you're still in the classroom, you um integrate a clinical um, aspect of the program where we are doing anesthesia for all types of surgeries um, from sun up to sundown, we usually graduate with an average of about six hundred um, to seven hundred hours. Um, well, six hundred to seven hundred cases. We usually have about seventeen hundred hours of clinical um, oh before we graduate. So, yeah, it, uh, most programs are anywhere from twenty-eight to thirty-six months, and it's it's pretty intense. But when you come out, you are prepared to perform anesthesia for any type of surgery um, that's out there so yeah wow man mm-hmm.
1: sounds like a very thorough training and program uh now hope has this has nursing or the health field always been a passion of yours uh
3: I, actually for me when i was in school when i was actually growing up in elementary i always thought i was gonna be a pediatrician actually
0: okay uh, and then you know
3: <laughs> as a as a child you grow up and you just you decide hey maybe nursing is the field for me so Probably right. around middle school, high school, I decided to get into nursing and went straight from high school into a nursing program. And I actually did the associate degree program, which was two years. So mm-hmm. once I completed that program, I actually used my nursing salary to pay for my bachelor's degree and also mm-hmm. my master's degree. So when I actually started anesthesia school, I had no student loans,
2: which is a great thing.
3: wow. Hell yeah, so, it is. Oh yeah. So basically, <laughs> when I when I finished anesthesia school, the only loans I had from College for anesthesia. So, with that being said, now anesthesia, as far as it being my passion, unfortunately for me, I thought it was a little bit of a drawback because I didn't know about anesthesia until I was actually a nurse. Mm, okay. If I had known about it. Prior, I potentially could have gotten into anesthesia a little bit sooner than I did. But I'm, you know, fortunate enough and blessed enough to be in the field where I am, and you know, was able to come into the field at such an early age as I did because I I finished anesthesia school at 27. So. I was very fortunate for that. But for me, actually, when I was probably first year of nursing, my mom Mm -hmm. knew some another CRNA, actually, of one of the only African-American CRNAs in Meridian at that time. And they were friends. And she was like, hey, have you ever told your daughter about me? And I'm just like, what what do you mean, ma? And she was like, well, I was looking through this nursing magazine and I saw this lady named Dr. Lena Gould. And I was like, okay, she said she does this nurse anesthesia mentorship. And have you ever heard of her? I was like, no, no, ma'am, to my mom. And she was like, well, you may want to, you know, just look and see what it's about. So, actually, I went to shadow this lady in Meridian and fell in love with the profession from that moment forward. And that's what basically, you know, in- ignited my steps to get into an ICU and then start applying for colleges. And I say all that to say, if I had known probably earlier, probably middle school, high school, my steps probably would have been ordered a little bit differently Correct, in order to right. get there a little bit sooner. So. I'm glad that you're doing this podcast in order to get the word out because, like I said, if I had known earlier, my steps probably have been directed a little bit differently. But so exactly. that's kind of how I was introduced into the field of anesthesia once I got into nursing. Okay, that's and, where my passion came from.
1: And still on the um, along the lines of passion, like as far as this career is concerned, do you think that the average person can get into it without being necessarily passionate about it and still become successful? Um, or, will, or does it require passion because you actually have someone's life in your hand and you have to actually care about that person? You could be top notch in your class, top notch at your position, but you don't necessarily have the passion for it. You may be in it for the money or the career opportunities. What's your opinion on that?
2: I think that is very important um, in any field, but especially um, in, mm-hmm. in any field where you're taking care of someone else to develop a passion for it. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, some days I I don't wanna go to work.
0: Exactly. But it's
2: because I'm tired, you know, or I you know, I didn't sleep well the night before. But when I get there and I'm there with my patients, my passion is what drives me to be able to deliver the best possible care I can to my patients. So my um short answer to that is no. You know, if you're if you're in this profession for money or if you're in this profession um, just as something to do, I, I think you'll find yourself um, not successful because it takes a lot of drive just to be in mm. the program. You know, there's a lot that goes on um, when you're in anesthesia school. And if it's not a passion of yours, I think it's impossible for you to be successful.
1: What's your opinion on the hope?
2: Uh,
3: i say the same um, as far as in the passion, like say, uh, anesthesia school is no joke. It's, it's, Ooh, it's something I wouldn't get back through. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, You know, it's certain things in life, you're like, ooh, I would not do it again. And anesthesia mm-hmm. school is probably one of those things. And like I said, if it not for the of God, family, friends, and having a circle of friends actually in the program, um, you know, it just would have been a whole lot harder, probably still made it through, but it just would have been a whole lot more difficult. So, and, you know, those people who weren't passionate about school or weren't passionate about the profession, Inward or just had the wrong motives to be in the program, most mm-hmm. people didn't succeed. You know, they're, they're no longer my colleagues now. So right. I think if you don't have the passion, you'll either make it through the program and not make it within the profession or not mm-hmm. make it through the program to begin with.
1: See, that reminds me of when I went to Ole Miss uh, my freshman year and my mom kept pushing me, why don't you be a pharmacist? They make 80000 straight out of college. I got in that organic chemistry. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> like got <like> huh?
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, man. I say I can I can do the electives but in the general courses, but no, that's not for me. Uh we had mentioned earlier that um it's good that we're doing this podcast to uh expose uh people to this career and you mentioned that when you met I think Miss Gould who was one of the only African Americans.
3: Um, um Actually, Dr. Gould, she's actually the basically the liaison of the national level for diversity and anesthesia. So my uh-huh. mom actually read an article of hers in the Nursing Magazine, and that's kind of how I got introduced to the national side of diversity in anesthesia. Like so, she's a keynote speaker. She's she's a leader for all of us, basically.
1: And how are the 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 statistics for African Americans in general as far as being employed in this field?
3: There's um, not so, with, with that, um, she does a lot of research. And like I said, I'm actually pulling this number from her website. This website can be found. Uh, if you do a Google search, diversity and nurse anesthesia, her website comes right up. And mm-hmm. as of right now, for African Americans, we make up 1.1% of anesthesia providers.
2: Wow. And
3: that's 1.1%. And that's nurse anesthesia. And that's nurse anesthesia. And for wow. diversity in anesthesia, which means anybody of color, we only make up 7%.
0: Mm. and see that's kind of
1: um, unnerving because I'm sure you all are familiar with the stories it seems like black women are dying at a higher rate when they're and I'm sure you all are more knowledgeable on it than me but when they enter the healthcare system it's like they're uh, less of a priority Um, are you guys aware of anything like that and what's your take on African Americans who already have a distrust of the medical field and the health industry as a whole, and we only make up one point one or seven one seven percent total of the anesthesiologists. I mean, we don't feel comfortable going in as is. So, what do you say to that?
2: Well, to that, um, the, those all those statements are definitely true. Um, there is a stigma in our our community about, um, trusting healthcare providers. And for Mm -hmm. us, you know, with us being, um, with us not being as prevalent as other people in the profession, um, that's why it's important for us to get out there and let Mm -hmm. people know who we are and what we do so that we can increase diversity in this profession. Because when you see someone at the head of the bed or anywhere, at your doctor's office, whether it's the you know the person that's drawing your blood or the nurse that's going to take you back to speak with the physician, the physician, him or herself, whomever. When we see someone who looks like us, we're more trusting. We feel more comfortable opening up and, and really letting them know what's going on. Um, and that's why I think it's, it's so important for us to bring awareness um, to this profession and others as well, um, so that we can we can have more people that look like us. You know, we, we know what we deal with. We, we're we aware of what's going on in our community. And that's one of the main reasons why I wanted to be a part of this profession is because, you know, I, I didn't see very many people that looked like me as the head of the bed when I would see my patients coming from IC, from surgery to ICU. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to change that. And so that's one of the reasons why I'm here.
1: Well, we're definitely glad that you're here. Uh, is there anything that the patient can do on their end? when they're getting ready to go into an operation that requires anesthesia, uh, just to increase the percentage that they'll have a successful I- operation, anything we can do on our end to
3: prepare? Uh, <clears throat> uh, this is so, yes, I would say there's a lot to prepare. And if you are a healthy, you know, young adult, older adult, there's, there's not a lot of things you have to do prepare. And I will give you just a few examples. One thing to do is make sure if you don't have blood pressure medicine, take your blood pressure medicine day up. Mm. um, Nothing to eat or drink after midnight. Uh, make sure you follow all your instructions that the anesthesia pre-op or maybe your surgical team gives you for the night before. Now, where it gets a little complicated is when we have patients that have more comorbidities, which are more illnesses that they deal with on their own daily basis, such as hypertension, diabetes, mm-hmm. you know, a uh, patient that has sleep apnea, patient that has heart failure. You may have an uh, implantable device in your heart. Now, those are those patients that we have to deal with that may be a little bit more difficult to maintain when they are coming to surgery. Right. We like okay. to have these patients as optimized as we can. So when it comes to getting surgery, we like for these patients to make sure, hey, go to your primary care provider. Make sure that, you know, if you have a CPAP machine, you're wearing your CPAP machine every night. Your respiratory function is up to status as, like I say, for sleep apnea patients, those can be your your greatest patient, or it can be your worst patient. is just right. for going under anesthesia. Mm-hmm. And like I can say, if you have high blood pressure, make sure your blood pressure is managed. Because under anesthesia, our medications, they will drop your blood pressure. And if you drop it too far and you're not managed, that could, you know, cause different outcomes that may or may not be negative. So we like to make sure that you're maintained on your high blood pressure medicine as well. And the mm-hmm. same thing with diabetes. If your sugar is you not know, controlled, make sure to get it under control. Because unfortunately, with diabetes, if the sugar is too high, that can lead to infection after surgery. So just to make sure everything is in line prior to surgery makes for better outcomes after surgery. And that allows patients to trust us and also trust their surgeons when they're after the post-op period.
2: Right, right. And to add to that, if you're a smoker, we Mm. recommend patients to stop smoking completely. But if you're not going to stop smoking and you're having a surgery, we do recommend that you stop at least, what is it, eight weeks? Yes. Is it still eight weeks? Um, eight weeks oh, prior no. to your procedure, which is terrible. You know, that's that's tough. But if it's going to make you have a better outcome from your surgical procedure, then who wouldn't want that? Who wants to go in for something simple and end up spending more time in the hospital than they have to um, just because of, of a cigarette, you know? And even if you cannot smoke the day of surgery or the day before within 24 hours, We're happy with that sometimes as well. Um, We just want to make sure that when you're back there with us, that you've done everything on your end that you can um, to make sure that we can take care of you the best possible way that we can. And another thing, be honest. When you get there, you've done something you haven't, (laughs) you aren't supposed to do. You know, we're not the police. We're not going to take you to jail and and lock you up or or anything like that. Um, I have encountered patients that, you know, they, they use illicit drugs and, they're not always forthcoming with that information. And, you know, that, again, plays into that comfort level that you have with your provider. You know, I, I have witnessed personally, you know, they didn't reveal that to someone of a, of a different race. But when I went in the room, I was just real with them, and they just got Shonda. They didn't get, you know, Shonda, the healthcare provider. They got Shonda that I genuinely care about you. And I was just mm-hmm. like, okay, here's the real deal. You can die back there if you're not honest about the last time you did X, Y, and Z. And they just fessed up to it and said, yeah, you know, I'm not being honest. And we canceled their surgery. You know, who wants to have a canceled surgery? Nobody. But that kept that patient from going back to surgery and possibly having a very negative outcome. So that's another thing. Just be honest. If you ate a sausage and biscuit, tell us. (laughs) Because things happen when you do things like that. Like, we're not telling you not to eat to be mean. All of those things have, um, there's a reason behind them all. So honesty i think is is another great thing that patients can bring with us when they come to the hospital for surgery
1: man y'all are so thorough and
2: uh
1: <laughs> kid folks i hope y'all taking note man this is serious business take your health serious you don't want to wake up dead and them, them cigarettes ain't that serious damn they're not uh, <laughs> all right uh key to the city podcast just a couple more questions ladies so and i'm gonna let y'all go um well three more actually have you we mentioned that we're trying to get more african americans into this field both male and female and by being slim pickings and you kind of standing out like a chocolate chip in a bowl of milk have you <laughs> have you experienced any barriers personally or any experienced negative experiences because of you know the color of your skin
3: um to be honest I have, and this is hope, I have experienced um, negative uh, being in the profession. I won't go into detail about those things. Uh, we can talk a lot about that. But um, I have experienced um, negative uh, during the program and after the program. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a mentor group here in Memphis. And basically what I tell the mentees that we all mentor here, and like I say, it's me, Shauna, and a group of um, diverse CRNAs here in the Memphis area that give back to our community with mentoring these students. We tell them, you know, your battle never stops, even though you make it through the program. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a daily thing, and you know, I had to learn that firsthand myself. Like I said, going through school, you had those battles, and even now, as a graduate with a degree, with the certification, it's like, okay, those battles never stop. Right. You know, with that being said, there will always be barriers. Oh. I mean, being African American, especially African American female, and you know, they said 2019. It just barriers can be from walking across the street sometimes, but you know, <laughs> we have all to right. rise above those barriers and be the bigger person to make sure that, you know, our community and all our patients that we serve get the care that they deserve because I was put here for a reason. And if that purpose was for me to serve others, I know that my light will be taken because huh, that negative outcome that I had yesterday, my life hey, can continue to shine in order okay. to, you know, serve out the purpose that I am put here to do.
0: So I, and keeping
3: that mindset, it keeps me, you know, pushing forward with the positivity
2: versus reflecting on the negativity.
1: Absolutely. I love that answer. Did you want to piggyback Shonda or are you straight?
2: I think I'm straight. I mean, she summed yeah. that up like to the team.
1: I swear um, she did. Oh, yes. Oh yes. <laughs> All right. Last two questions. Uh, and this is for the both of you. Thus far, what have you found most rewarding? about this career and the most difficult
2: most rewarding for me um would be the patient interaction um Mm. the 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 change that that i am um putting out there people have seen someone of color do some amazing things um and me being able to give back to my patients like that's got to be the most rewarding thing ever you know very rewarding and um we have besides rewarding the most negative thing about this career Mm -hmm. Um, it's it's a lot of work it's stressful Um, we're not just sitting back there just watching you there are a lot of things that can go wrong Um, we're not playing cards as some people say nurses are doing (laughs) No, that's not what we're doing we're back (laughs) there we're back there saving lives every day Um, every case isn't tedious um, but we're always one of the things that I always do when I'm back there is I'm always proactive rather than having to be reactive. So I'm back there when you're asleep. I'm thinking of every possible thing that could go wrong, and I'm preparing myself for it just in case it goes. And so um, that's the negative thing. I think sometimes, not in being prepared, but just in um, just the stress of it. But it is by far the best thing I could have ever done for myself.
0: Word. Yeah. Word. Love it. Let's go, Hope.
2: All righty, my turn.
3: My turn. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll say the most rewarding is like I say the feedback group is not to say, you know, I would say patient interaction and you know, it's awesome to hear those patients say, you know, I'm so proud of you. Mm-hmm. And I mean they just have that twinkle in their eye and they look at you and they say, You just don't know how proud I am to see you or how proud I am of you just to be where you are. And right. you know, even colleagues that are not mine, I still call them my colleagues, even though they're you know, RE's at this time. You know, even my diverse colleagues come up to me and say, you know, Hope, I'm, I'm just so proud to see that you are here and where you are. And, you know, that, that that's very humbling. And it just, it, it touches you in a way that, you know, you just can't be touched any other way. When people come up to you and be like, I'm, I'm just proud of you. Right. And I guess another rewarding thing for me is this outlet. I also have another hat I'm going to put on now. It, it allows me to serve my country for so the uh, U.S. Navy as a reservist, uh, as a reserve oh, yeah. officer. Okay. So, uh, I've been active in the military for nine years, and I've been doing anesthesia in the military now for four. So, you know, being able to give back to my veterans and to my fellow, you know, my Navy sailors is, is an awesome experience as well for me.
0: Right. Lovely. Uh,
3: and I think disadvantages, uh, like I say, or you know, I am not to say it. it's like I said, it, like said it's, it can be stressful now. Yeah. Ooh, ooh, it, <laughs> it can be stressful back then. Some days, I say uh had that comment, oh, we made our check today. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> we made that check today. So, you know, uh, that's probably like the only thing I can say, really, because otherwise it's, you know, it's so rewarding in another aspect, you know, you get to do everything on your own. You're you're thinking for yourself. You're, you know, mm-hmm. in a split second, you have to basically either save someone's life or make a life-saving decision. So it's just like, you know, they've trusted you enough, you've earned the education, you've earned the certification, and they're trusting you with their lives because we only have approximately a minute to gain a patient's trust
0: because Absolutely. within
3: a minute we roll you back to the operating room you got to say hey I trust him to put me to sleep and wake me up so I think for me that's probably the most rewarding gaining someone's trust in that short amount of time because that's a special skill you have to have in order to do that because everybody can't do that
1: not at all and uh, plus when y'all stressed out then you just go right over there to express fitness and handle <laughs> and, it
2: and, and work it all out <laughs> yeah that's right yeah. <laughs>
1: well, ladies, I'm so glad y'all joined us today. Uh, I really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule. You didn't have to do it, but you did. And I'm I'm, I'm sure this episode is going to bless somebody and hopefully change someone's life. Uh, before we go, um, how can they find out more information about the CRNA career uh, resources and things like that?
2: First of all, I want to say thank you for having us and giving us this yes. platform to be able to spread awareness about this profession. Um they can go online. Um, Dr. Lena Gould, we spoke about her if you, um diversity and nurse anesthesia mentorship program. She has a Facebook page, she's an awesome resource. Like I always, always, always mention her because she's doing some amazing things for people of, of color in this profession um and also there's us we're here um to learn more about the profession you can always reach out to us my email is ivy that's l-a-s-h-a-n-d-a-i-v-y at yahoo.com shoot me a quick email and i can um answer any questions that you may have kind of get you in line for some shadowing experiences and things of that that mm-hmm. nature um Ferg, um we've got a mentee mentorship program that's local here that hopeford has actually been um Getting together, so she's also an excellent resource.
3: um and, As far as my contact info, you can uh, contact me via Facebook. My name is Hope H O P E Ferguson F E R G U S O N, and then email is Hope H O P E F as in Frank. The number one four at hotmail dot com. I'm still an old school with the hotmail. So <laughs> <laughs> hotmail Yahoo, good luck. <laughs> <you> <laughs> We're a little old school. They got Gmail, you know. Gmail. We, I mean, yeah, we don't know, you know. Like
0: can't and all. Yeah. <laughs> My daddy doesn't have cash
1: <laughs> <laughs> It's all good, man. Y'all been working. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. You stuck in a little bit of a time, but it's all right. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, we thank y'all for joining us today on this episode. I am your careful Yoni She is Dr. LaShonda Ivy. She is Dr. Hope Ferguson. Hey, man, I hope y'all have a wonderful Christmas. Happy holidays, New Year's, and uh, i definitely be in touch with you for
2: sure.
1: All righty, well, thanks for having us. Thank you. Enjoyed it. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. We out. Peace. <laughs>